Welcome to The Book Report, the podcast where we do book reports on books we haven't read since the last time we did book reports. Hey, I'm Dwin, and I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Natalie, and I also use she, her pronouns. Do you remember Animorphs? Neither do we. Great. This week we're reading The Message, uh, which is by Kay Applegate, and it came out in 1996. Maybe no trigger warning for that one. I don't think there's any trigger warnings no, this time. That was from the last other document. Yeah. Hey, do you remember what happened last time? Oh, I do. Um, basically, the big part of the last book was Tobias having a lot of existential angst about what it means to be a human, what it means to be a hawk. Um, he also had a crush on a lady hawk. Nothing happened with that. Um, and then they see a big ship from the Yurks that's taking a lot of air and water, and they blow it up. Uh, everyone turns into fish at some point, except for Tobias. And that was basically it. That was pretty much it. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, you wrote a book report this week. I, I did. Will read I wrote it, it this morning. I will grade it. Okay. Dwin's book report. You put an exclamation mark, so I like read it that way. Okay. That's how you feel about it. This week, I read Animorphs Book 4, The Message by K.A. Applegate. This book is told from the perspective of Cassie, one of the Animorphs. The book begins with Cassie at her family's barn, hanging out with injured animals and practicing morphing into a squirrel. She panics when Tobias shows up, then nearly gets caught by her dad mid-morph. During this scene, she and Tobias find out they are both having the same dream about a voice coming from the ocean. The Animorphs meet and discuss what to do about the message, and during this meeting, Tobias and Cassie pass out and have the same dream. They all go to the beach to investigate, but are almost caught by the Yerks, who are out there as the sharing. All of the Animorphs are freaked out, but after Cassie and Marco have a heart-to-heart, they decide to investigate further, which means they need to acquire ocean-friendly morphs. They all go to the zoo and get dolphin morphs, despite Cassie's concerns that it's not ethical. With their new morphs, they all go to the beach and end up swimming around as dolphins, having a great time until they are attacked by sharks. Marco gets hurt, and they learn that when they morph, the injuries go away. A whale helps them out and also talks to Cassie and shows her where the voice is coming from. They develop a new plan that involves becoming birds, flying out to a ship, morphing back, and then becoming dolphins again when the ship gets close to where they're going. This plan works, and they end up finding a ship under sea, which they enter. In the ship, ship, they meet Axe, who is apparently the brother of the Andalite from the first book. They escape the ship together as the Yerks attack and try to escape to an island. Vizier 3 almost catches them, but a group of whales comes to the rescue, giving them the time to escape to the island. At the end, Axe makes a human morph blend of all four human animorphs and goes to live in the woods near Cassie's farm. Then Cassie goes to the zoo, which has no security, and turns into dolphins and parties with the other dolphins. That's a pretty solid book report. I really like it. I love that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an A. Hey. I would like to note that I'm not bitter about okay. you never giving me an A, and I think this is a really good book report. Thanks. Um, by your own reasoning, it doesn't have a lot of opinions in it. You said you like opinions. Because you don't like opinions and you're the one who's grading it. Uh, that's a really good point. I and know my audience. I thought it was really good. Thanks. Great job. Um, I gotta say, I really liked this book. I think of all four that we've read so far, this one was the most fun. It was a lot of, It was really exciting. I it was, was super exciting. What did it for me the most. And it had more, like, um, magical stuff. Yeah. Like, it wasn't fully grounded in fact. And yeah. it was, like, very, like, mystical... Yeah. strange stuff happening i think before we get too far into this book we should talk about we have met or we know about a new creature and we met a new character and i think we should start with the creature yeah uh, let's we start with the creature about a new creature because the animorphs are all in the ship at the bottom of the ocean they are escaping um and viscer three shows up uh in a new ocean morph 
And it's an animal from the uh, Andalite homeworld. Mm-hmm. He lives in the oceans there. And it's called a mardut. A mardrut. A mardrut. It is a beast that lives in the oceans on Andalite moons. Let me let me describe it. Hold on. Um, it is a huge, dark red, almost purple hump covered with hundreds of small fish tails all beating frantically. And then I think it's also farting out water to propel itself. Wild. We'll talk about it more later. We will. It's a very cool alien creature to add to the collection. And then we met a new character who it seems like is going to be kind of one of the gang. That's yeah. my impression. Uh, and his name... Go ahead. Give it a whirl. see if I can do it. Um, Aximili Escaruth is still... That's how I would say it. Okay. But they just call him Axe, which is smart because it's too long. It's way too long. He is the cousin of the original Andalite No, he's prince. the brother. Oh, no, brother. Yeah, sorry. He's the brother. He calls them... The baby thing about, brother. There is a thing where he calls somebody elder cousins, which I thought was funny. Yeah. Because it's a weird way to say So he's cousin. the baby brother of Prince Elfengor. Yes. And we... I think we're made to understand that he is basically a teen. Like, he is yeah, the Andalite version of the Animorphs. And he was not age. supposed to be fighting... But he snuck out, did it anyway. Fucked up. Fucked up real bad, crashed into the ocean. Yep. And then sent out a broad range telepathic message to anybody. Yep. And so Vizier 3 heard it. And the Animorphs had to go save him. Cool. Um, But yeah, he does seem like he will be part of the gang. And we can talk more about that later too as we talk a little more about morphing and how that works. Um, All right. So let's get into some of our notes here. Um... We learn so much stuff in we this do. book. We do. We do. Okay. I think the biggest thing we learned, though, is the Yerkes Endgame. Yes. Like, I think that was really big. And I think it's been good to know only because we know that the Yerkes are evil. Uh, we know that they're doing something. We know they're taking over the planet, but we have never quite understood what the goal yeah, is. Yeah, it was like, like why. reasonless evil. Yes. And it's, the only motivation we had was Vizier 3's promotion. Yes. Otherwise, it seemed like, why the hell are they even doing this? Yes. Um, I thought it was really cool to kind of get some information about this. And hold on, I'm looking at the page. I can read about it. So everyone can hear if you haven't had the privilege of reading these books with us. Uh, All right. So, yeah. So I'm glad that we found out kind of what the end game is. Like, we don't know every single detail. um, But what we found out is when they're talking to Axe about, like, the Yerks and what the hell's going on. Um, he talks about how they're going to eliminate stuff. And so he says, it's the, the usual Yerk pattern. Once a planet is under their control, they alter it to suit their own desires. They will leave enough planet and animal species to keep the host bodies fed, humans in the case of Earth, and the rest they eliminate. Um, and then the animals are like, what? That's wild. And he says that they eliminate species. They will make the Earth as much like the Yerk homeworld as possible. They will destroy most of the plants and all of the animal species except those that they eat. And he says later, um, that is one of their great crimes. But the Yerks are more than that. Yerks are the killers of worlds, murderers of all life, hated and feared throughout the galaxy. They are a plague that spreads from world to world, leaving nothing but desolation and slavery and misery in their wake. Uh, Which is pretty fucking dark. So we don't know why they do that, but we know that that is now their end game. Yes. And what they're actually fighting against. I think this also adds credence to your theory that... The Yerk are a metaphor for, like, world-ending disaster and, like, global warming. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting. They didn't really get into this too much, but I hope they do in the future. 
Um, he says that there are only three races left in the, all the known galaxies that still fight the Yerks. And only the Andalites can stop them. So there are some, there are three races that fight the Yerks. Yeah, and I don't think he's counting humans. So it's just Andalites, Andalites and, and two sh- mystery races. I'm excited to find out more about those guys. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I want to just take a little sideline with this. Taking over planets and using up all their resources and then leaving them a shell of themselves mm-hmm. for the conquering species. Are you going colonialism? Oh, well, yes, that too. Um, no, I wasn't even even that intellectual. I was thinking about Steven Universe. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, I think let's get a, into it. This is something that we see in Steven Universe um, with the the diamonds. Uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for the next couple of minutes, maybe. If you Who are you if you haven't seen Steven please Universe? Please watch Steven Universe. Um, but if you haven't, I guess kind of spoiler alerts. Um, but this is a lot like the diamonds, where they take over planets, they loot them for whatever they need, they modify them to be... They terraform them to whatever they feel like they want. Yes. But it might not be anything decent. It might just be a fun area. Um, And with the the diamonds, they don't even think about human life. Like, it's just incidental. They're lesser life forms. Like, they are going to die, but, like, whatever, they're not really anything. And it kind of... Yurks definitely see the the humans themselves as resources, mm-hmm. but human suffering and animals dying like that is just really incidental. They don't even really think about it. it doesn't seem like that. Like they yeah. they are thinking of, the Yurks obviously are taking a very like they're going to infiltrate. Whereas in Steven Universe, it's like we're just going to kill everything. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really interesting, and also I see Steven Universe parallels everywhere I go because sure. I love Steven Universe. Ditto. Um, but yeah, also really it is. In Steven, Universe, in Steven Universe, it also is a metaphor for colonialism, and that's definitely true here, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see the Yerks also totally being a metaphor for colonialism, as well as yeah. for... Global warming. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's just... They do take over and destroy. I wonder how far we can take those metaphors. I also feel like, though, it's a little bit of the conundrum of, like, taking today's morals and, like, reflecting them yeah because i again was a kid when these came out so i don't know if this was the vibe but i do feel like there's much more of a vibe now of like oh colonialism is trash right and that's pretty readily accepted yeah whereas like you know what is this 30 years ago that was 25 years ago 25 years ago that's like Maybe not so much the case. Yeah, I'd be curious. Same um, with global warming, you know? Yeah. And I'd be curious. I think that is smart and, and fair to think about this in terms of, like, when was it written? Um, because all 1996 doesn't seem that long ago. It actually kind of is. It actually kind of is. And, um, like, what is, what was the relevant scary metaphor in 1996? Yeah. I would be curious. Maybe it's something for us to do off podcast. Um, but to do some research um, and see if K.A. Applegate has done interviews about this or talked about um, if if there was. So it also could be one of those things where, like, uh, thinking of Lord of the Rings. And those books, when they came out, one of the big things was, like, oh, it's about the environment. Oh, it's about the... Like, people had a lot of ideas of what the mm-hmm. books were about and what the metaphors were. But, like, really, he was just having fun writing a language. And Tolkien was pretty much just, like, no, nah, it's not really about that. It's um, just about elves. I just like elves. And so I'd be curious to know if K.A. Applegate could say something like, yes, it is about... The environment. Yes, it is about like it is about these things, or not nah, just sort of happens. It's just to be a cool that. alien story. Um, at Steven Universe, it does seem like it's pretty directly oh, about. Like it is about colonialism. Super intentional. Um, and so you know that, but I also think this is a story that you could totally come to without thinking about colonialism. Like you could come to the story of an alien because it is just patterns that have already happened in the world right. anyway. Yeah. Um, and also just I think the idea of like invasion and taking over something. I think that that is something 
that definitely has colonialism overtones to it. Mm-hmm. But it's such a classic story, just in general. Yeah. Um, in our literature. So I would, be, I would be curious to see if there are interviews with her talking about this. Um, we can Google it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, other things we learn. Mm-hmm. The Andalites kind of suck. Yeah, I was surprised at how secretive they are about stuff. And also it seems like they only come to the planet every like one to two years. Which if you're trying to fight off an invasion... Seems like you should be a little more active. It seems like Andalites... Okay. So Andalites apparently have the same time limits on mm-hmm. their morphing. Mm-hmm. But if a group of Andalites, let's say 10, 10 Andalites come to this town who are adult Andalites who know all about fighting the Yerks and they know all the things, they could morph into humans long enough to, like, do stuff. Yeah. And yet... They just sent the and it's one a pretty, prince? It's a pretty non-observant town, so really they could kind of just do whatever the hell they wanted, and probably because it was Halloween or something like that. Seriously. Um, like, go in October, call it Halloween, good to go. Good to go. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. It doesn't sound like a very efficient way to fight the Yerks, if the Yerks were on, on Earth taking over. Why wouldn't you do something there? Yeah, and when the Animorphs ask uh, Axe questions, he, mm-hmm. like, won't answer them. Yeah. He doesn't want to share any information. Like, he treats them like they're the enemy or like they're not in enough to know things. Yeah. Maybe that will change because this is our very first introduction to Axe, but... Do you think that he's worried that they're secretly Yerks? Uh, maybe. Or he just doesn't know anything about humans and so he, he can't gauge anything. And is there a way for him or for anyone to tell who is a Yerk and who's not? Like, I know... I feel like at this point the Andalites should have that technology. They if should, they don't, right? that would be problematic. Yeah, I agree. Seems like a losing war. And also, I guess, why would the Yerks keep them secret? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that is something else important we learn. Um, I think that's the key things we learn, but there are a couple other cool, interesting things that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot about animal communication in this episode. Yes, and we've talked about this before, and I'm excited that we got to hear more about it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so... Cassie turns into a dolphin. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, all of them turn into dolphins, except Tobias, who's mm-hmm. still a bird. Yep. Um, they're swimming around in the ocean, and then they use their echolocation, and they realize there's, like, a huge thing and some sharks. And they go to investigate, and they realize the sharks are attacking a whale. Mm-hmm. And so they fight off the sharks. They save the whale, mm-hmm. who is super grateful, and who talks to them, mm-hmm. and who, like, opens up Cassie's mind mm-hmm. and, like tells her all sorts of stuff for like 10 minutes and like puts her in a trance and talks to her which like Mm -hmm. one i don't think that's actually how whales talk no but this is the first time that it feels like this book is getting away from what Mm -hmm. seems like fact about Mm -hmm. animals and getting into um magical thinking yeah and we have that again later um when they are trying to escape from uh vizier three and cassie is like she summons help she like sends out and a call then for she help. says in the book something about like she you know she wanted to thank the whale but she also kind of felt like the whale was being called by something else um which she kind of was like the ocean like something else called the whale um yeah which i thought was really interesting um that happens like fairly late in the book well let me read you what yeah. the whale tells cassie okay. because it's it's a lot so um Tobias said it was only 10 minutes, but during that 10 minutes, I was lost to the world. I was being shown a small part of the whale's thoughts. He had lived 80 migrations, 
He had many mates, many mothers, who had died in their turn. His children traveled the oceans of the world. He had survived many battles, traveled to the far southern ice and the far northern ice. He remembered the days when men hunted his kind from ships that belched smoke. He remembered the songs of the many fathers who had gone before, as others would remember his song. But in all he had seen and all he had known, he had never seen one of the little ones become a human. Marco, I realized. He means Marco. And little ones? Is that what the whales call dolphins? We are not truly little ones. No, you are something new in the sea, but not the only new thing. I wasn't sure what he was telling me. He spoke only in feelings, in a sort of poetry of emotion without words. Part of it was in song. Part of it I could only sense the same way I could sense echolocation. He showed me a picture, a memory. It was a broad, grassy plain with trees and a small stream, all of it underwater. And across the grass ran an animal that was part deer, part scorpion, part almost human. Anyway, that's a really long passage describing in great detail. Yeah. Like a whale talking to a dolphin, which we don't know that. But it's cool. It was really neat. I I do, I am very curious about like, can they communicate? Yeah. Um, and also why. And also Cassie- do dolphins actually help whales like that? I don't know. I don't, anyway. Yeah. Well, and, and why did Cassie only get all yeah. the information and why nobody else? Is it because Cassie's the best anamorph? Discuss. Uh, she I is the best animorph. Very willing to agree to that, like pretty much right off the bat. I think Cassie is really an excellent animorph. Yeah, um, yeah. So later on, the oh, I just totally misspelled the name of this animal in our um, our document, the Mardrut. Um, anyway, they talk about the whales that attack mm-hmm. Visser Three, um. And it sounds like kind of a weird group of whales. Yeah, it's like an odd collection of whales who yeah, have no business hanging there out was together. A also, I don't think they are even in the same parts of the world. Yes, I've thought that, and I actually thought about the dolphins too. Are dolphins native to this area? Um, There's and, a lot of different kinds of dolphins. Yes, but like, is this kind of dolphins native to this area? And then also, it seems like the Yerks should learn a lot more about uh, Earth, like habitats, because. If, for example, dolphins that shouldn't be somewhere show up, you immediately know they're animorphs. Oh, that's a good point. Um, anyway, that's just the thought. Yeah. Um, there were a bunch of whales, and the whales, there's a, I think they said there was a sperm whale. Um, they're definitely a humpback whale. Yeah, there are two sperm whales, at least. Um, her whale is a humpback whale. And there's a big group of them. I don't know that they work in cooperation, typically. Yeah. And I don't know that they would respond to just her. But yeah, no. So then she talks about, she said, uh, I wanted to thank him for responding to my, my call for help, but a strange feeling as he opened his great heart to the dolphin mind that was in my own, that he hadn't just come in response to me. I had the feeling, and that's all it was a feeling that in some way, the sea itself had called to him to respond to the presence of an abomination. So kind of wild. Yes. I am curious to know if that is, just a feeling. I, I don't know if there's a, real a way th- we could even know that. Yes, but I'd be curious if they touch back on that again, because then that to me implies that the earth or perhaps the sea is sentient in some way. Oh my gosh, like is, in Moana. And is responding to the presence of something that it perceives as being alien. <laughs> that would be a very cool plot twist. I am very curious if we ever hear anything about this ever again. I have no idea, but I think it'd be cool. I think it would be really cool. I would like to know if the earth is aware that the earth's are there, and that they're not supposed to be there. Me too. Okay, other big things. Let's talk about how morphing works. Yes. So Marco gets pretty seriously fucked up by the sharks. Like His where the, tail gets eaten. Yeah, where they're like, oh, he's going to die. 
Uh, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And so they decide to have him shift back into a human. And their reasoning is that you acquire DNA. So you wouldn't really be taking the injury. You'd be just getting the form that the DNA indicates that you should have. Which is really interesting. And also, like, it's interesting in terms of, like, oh, what a good solution for the like, children are going to get mauled as animals. We're going to make sure they don't become mauled as humans. Right. Um, but also has some pretty big implications for, for things like, what if you had cancer? Mm. And then you morphed, and then you morphed back. Do you not have cancer anymore? Oh, that would be very Or, like, cool. any kind of illness, right? Yeah. Like, unless it's coded into your DNA. If you break your, your DNA, arm as a human, can you morph to a dolphin and then back to a human and have that arm be healed? Yes. I mean, that's what that would imply to me. Are these children now immortal? Yes. So things like, for example, if you have something like, I don't know, an allergy. Are allergies in your your DNA? Depends. So let's say you have an allergy that's not in your DNA. Okay. Could you get rid of your allergy by just morphing? God, we need morph technology. I am very I curious need about that this. technology. Yeah, I was thinking you do. There's just a lot of, like, there, like unless you have a disease that's genetic... And could you, but there are some diseases that are genetic that can turn off and on. Could you reset yourself? Damn. I think that has some really interesting things. And if so, if that is true, then the Andalites need to come back to this goddamn planet. This is a question where we need K.A. Applegate to get on this show and tell us, like, the canon. Because that's really interesting. And if if it is true, could you imagine, for example, let's say one of these kids, they have all these morphing powers, and one of their parents gets sick. Could you imagine the agony that they would experience knowing that, like, oh, if I have an illness, I can just morph it away, and no one else in my life can, and things that are fatal to other people would not be fatal to me. And additionally, let's say one of these kids does get really sick Mm -hmm. in a way, again, I'm going to use cancer again. Um, Could you imagine, so you get diagnosed with cancer, and then you know if I morph, it will go away? And then your York doctor knows. Well, either your York doctor (laughs) knows, or you become, like... A medical miracle that, like, oh, last visit this kid had was diagnosed with cancer. Next visit, just nothing. And, like, weird dreams about being a whale. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy. The implications of that is pr- are pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry, this just occurred to me. Why didn't they take whale DNA while they were at it? Oh, yeah, they totally should have. They should have. Marco could have, like, right then. It would have yeah. been very easy. All of them could have. They all sit on his back at one point. But they're all dolphins. No, they're all sitting as humans on his back. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. They, they should have. They should have. That was a mistake. That was a miss. That was a, yeah. Okay. I guess what they thought is that it's probably more practical to be a dolphin than a whale. Also, they're pretty caught up in like, is it okay to do this to sentient creatures? And that yeah. whale was pretty damn sentient. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Other things that come up in mm-hmm. this book, we've talked a whole bunch about like the meta of the narrators. Right. I felt like the narrative flow of this book was excellent. Yeah. And I do attribute that to Cassie. Yeah. Like this was way better than the Tobias one in terms of like just yeah. comfort reading. Yeah, I think that the Tobias one, so our last book we read, I thought it was the most interesting in terms of, like, moral issues. Like, I felt like yeah. that one felt really intense to me in terms of, like, that is really inside of a teenager's head of a teenager who's dealing with some serious mental health struggles. Yeah. Um, I think the Jake one gets bogged down a little bit in just, like, there's a lot of setup Kid you gotta do. Well, there's a lot of setup you gotta do that first book, True. you know? Um, Rachel. Rachel was pretty boring. Yeah, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't remember Rachel as much. Because it was um, kind of boring. It wasn't the most exciting story. But this one's exciting, and it flows well. Yeah, and it does have some of the same, like, kids dealing with serious moral issues that I find really compelling about this. Okay, so the and interesting it- thing about this one was, you remember I've been saying, like, every narrator has their mm-hmm. own spin on the other characters? Cassie has a crush on Jake, and in this one, Jake is, like, 
kind of a fuckboy. Yeah. Like, he just, like, shows up at her house and, like, says, like, flirts with her. Yeah. In a way that never happens in the other books. Even from Jake's own perspective, he's, like, shy around Cassie and doesn't Yeah, she definitely doesn't perceive that at all. Yeah. I would say also, Marco is way more tender in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of that is the, in previous books... I feel like I barely know who Marco is as a character. He doesn't feel he's Yeah, almost, we haven't gotten to his book yet. He doesn't... But, like, even in the other characters' books, it feels that the other characters have more of a presence. Mm-hmm. Marco feels like his one role is to just be like, ah, I don't know about this guy. So he doesn't have... I don't mm-hmm. feel like he has almost any dimensionality. And I think in the first book, I was like, oh, he maybe he's kind of an asshole. But this book, I was like, oh, he has some dimensionality. Like, he has other characters other than just being like, I don't know, guys. Yeah. Um, because they talk about loss um which i found really compelling and they talk about particularly like Cassie's experience loss in terms of like seeing animals at the farm die and then he kind of talks about his mom yeah like he don't, i don't think he totally talked about it but like that's he gets the subtext yeah. of the conversation and that was very affecting and he's very tender in a way he really like before he's really been just a jokey character yeah and like rachel when it was rachel narrating marco's like a really annoying asshole yeah and in this one he's much more complex um, and I think Cassie has a really different relationship with Marco than Rachel does. Yes. And there, he talks about fear, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, because they all think about fear a lot and they have sort of talked about it, but he, I just like that he's really upfront. Like, Oh, I'm really scared all the time about this. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me get on the right page. I was on the wrong page. Uh, Okay. So, yeah, Cassie's feeling really torn about what to do about the message. Should they go? Should they not go? What should they do? Um, and she's afraid of saying she thinks that they should go, and then someone gets hurt. Uh, and she's more afraid because it all happens after Marco almost died. Mm-hmm. And so she's feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of fear. Uh, and he's trying to just be like, you know, sometimes bad stuff happens. Like, don't worry about it. Um, and she's she's just really worried about death. I think that's what's going on here and she asks him if he was scared when he got attacked and he says okay for a while he didn't answer he just came over and leaned on the railing beside me i'm scared all the time now cassie he said at last i'm scared to fight the yurks i'm scared of what will happen if i don't i look at tobias and what happened to him scares me to death what happens if i get stuck in a morph morph someday and most of all i'm scared of of him uh and then yeah, they talks about just being scared. Oh, he says um, that first time in the construction site when he killed, when he murdered the Andalite, Marco made a twisted smile. I see that in my head every day. And the Yerk pool. He shook his head. That's something I would like to forget. Um, yeah. And so he just talks about being afraid in a way that I found very affecting and very real. Yeah. Right? I mean, you think that is really scary. And they, there is no one they can talk to about it. Yeah. Uh, and he's someone who's watched death happen really personally, right? Like, that's right. his mom. Well, I don't yeah. think he saw his mom die. No, but I think, I think she like, disappeared. But he is but like grieving. having that experience of like someone yeah. I know died. Yeah. I think that that's really affecting to have someone talk about it and not just like internally we hear them talk about it, but like knowing they're talking to each other and being really upfront about that, especially because he's been such a jokey character. And especially because it's a book for kids. Yes. Yeah. I really, I find that very affecting. I like it. Um, okay. I have one other thing to say yeah. about this book, which was three strange anachronisms. Yes. I think that's the right word for what I'm about to talk about. Okay. Number one. Okay. There was a, hey, fellow kids, moment. <laughs> there was. Um, it was 
they're on the bus. Mm-hmm. Cassie's talking to Marco. Mm-hmm. But then, like, the conversation kind of ends, and she just talks about, like, what she does on the bus. And this is what she says. I did some homework on the bus. Math. Gag. Yuck. And listened to my Walkman. Which was, like, so out of context and, yeah. like, bizarre. It. I, I do like that there are things about it that feel very, like, oh, these are teens. But also, that line is very silly. It's very it's just silly. very silly. Okay, second one. They're at the zoo, and they're talking to the dolphin trainer. The dolphin trainer says, you know, let me introduce you to the dolphins. It says, well, as you know, we have six dolphins here. Joey, Ross, Monica, Chandler, Phoebe, Rachel. <laughs> and then goes right into talking about dolphins. Does not touch on the fact that they are all Friends characters. And I cannot figure out if that is because like Kay Applegate is a Friends fan and just like wanted to say that. This is like the big Friends peak time, I guess, yeah. 1996. Or if it's like, gotta find a way to connect to these kids. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, yeah. it was so odd. Uh, and it completely pulled me out of the story because yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Um, Here's my second one. Um, they meet Axe. Uh-huh. And they're like, you know, the guy's name was was Prince Elfengor, the guy we saw yeah. die. And he says, Prince Elfengor? No one could kill Elfengor. He is the greatest warrior ever. And I was like, he's the, he's the greatest warrior ever? Like, you talk like an American teenager <laughs> from the 90s? All right, buddy. Um, yeah. Yeah. This was a weird... That was a, Those were a couple weird moments that I haven't noticed. Can I just talk very briefly about the dolphin trainer? Please. Okay. So, you have a group of teens. One teen is the daughter of the vet, so you've probably seen her before. And they come in, and they want to meet the dolphins. Uh, and dolphins, super cool animals, but they are animals, and they're very large animals. Uh-huh. And, and the teens want to, like, pet them. Fine. These are, like, trained dolphins. And then, she just gives them a bucket of fish and leaves. Just leaves. <laughs> Which I wrote in my notes, that cannot be safe, because that cannot be safe. It is wild to me that they would just leave a group of... Oh, I think it's not safe for the dolphins. <laughs> Teenagers un- suck. I think it's unsafe for everybody involved. And it, like, surely that person would get fired or at the very least yelled at. Yeah. Because... Eileen, Eileen, Eileen. What if one of those kids fell in and mm-hmm. drowned? Yeah. Like, we know at least one of them can't swim and she doesn't know that, but she also doesn't know that they can swim. Right? Like, she knows Cassie. But she doesn't know the rest of these is strange Cassie's teens. Cassie's such a good kid that she will think any friend of Cassie will know how to be safe around animals. No, that doesn't Has seem logical. Has she ever met a teenager before? Um, and I would also point out that apparently no one can see them. And I pointed that in my book report. I actually have one little opinion in there. Which is that this zoo has no security because a whole ass other dolphin appears yeah. in this tank and nobody notices. Is there no security camera? No, like, night guard yeah. who just notices, oh, there's a whole other dolphin. Yep. Uh, anyway, I just think this is really weird. They, we, but we've also seen them sneak in and like into the lions or no, the tiger's enclosure. So this zoo is sketch as This fuck. zoo is a mess. They need some help. All right. Those are my big things. Um, I think that's it. You want to talk, want to do our classes? Yeah, let's go to class. Okay. Study hall. Study hall. Ethics class. Yes. To all you haters out there that are like, High schoolers don't study ethics. Let me tell you what. We went to Catholic school. We did. We sure did. We had multiple classes on ethics. What no, did we learn? Not a lot. Not a fucking lot. But we did take some kind of ethics Here was the class. highlight of ethics class for me. When our teacher let us watch Oprah because she thought Oprah was a guiding light <laughs> on ethics. I don't remember. It wasn't called ethics. No, yeah. The one we took senior year was like ethics something. 
I don't remember. You blocked um, it out. It's fine. Yeah. I don't remember most of high school. Okay, so I think it's important that we talk about the ethics of morphing because Cassie has some real concerns and I don't think her concerns totally make any sense. You think they don't make sense? Okay, so she has this whole thing about morphing into intelligent animals and like animals that communicate. I am not saying, and I do understand that hesitation, but Marco turned into a gorilla. Yeah. And gorillas are intelligent. Yeah. By this point in time, Coco the gorilla, I'm pretty certain, was a thing. We knew well, that. Well, Jane Goodall was a thing. Yeah, like we know that gorillas are really complicated, that they have a lot of communication, that they are really smart. They can speak through sign language. So I get why she, like, someone could have concerns about morphing into animals. It's also the first time that she has morphed into an intelligent animal. Yes, but it does seem like, it just seems weird to raise this concern now. Mm -hmm. And for no one, because they have to figure out which animals are going to morph into that first time. Why did that never come up before? Mm -hmm. Um, And what is too intelligent to morph into? Like, where is the line of like, this one is intelligent, too intelligent, I don't want to morph into them. Well, it seemed like what she was worried about was because when they morph into that animal, they're put into that animal's mindset. That, like, if you morphed into a really intelligent animal, that that would somehow be in their genetics, and you would be, like, a yerk. You would be with another spirit, a conscious spirit, Mm -hmm. in that animal, which didn't turn out to be the case, Mm -hmm. but that's what she was worried about. I just think that this concern should have come up before when the gorilla happened. Yeah. Because a gorilla is intelligent. I agree with that. We just know that. Like, I could see how, like, okay, a lizard, no one's going to think that. Fine. But the gorilla should have brought up this question before. Do you think they would draw the line at octopus? Because those ones are incredibly smart. I, like, I think that because they got so excited about the dolphins, I think that the line was dolphin. Hmm. I don't think that octopus would register in the same way. I also honestly think part of it is that dolphins are cute. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think octopuses are also cute, but I think that a lot of people wouldn't register them as cute and like... Yeah. Like dolphins, they're smiling. So I think that makes people feel yeah, like they're... And yeah, then, like, not that they're not smart, it's just that I think it makes people perceive them as smarter. Yeah. Because they have emotions. Well, and then she feels so much guilt... That she goes back to the zoo yes. and morphs into a dolphin in the dolphin tank to show them what she's done. And I don't think that they can comprehend that. Also, wouldn't they be confused seeing now two twin dolphins? Yes. Um, because we do know that another, yeah. we, when, the, when Rachel went into a cat, the cat saw her, a cat saw itself and got really confused. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like the dolphins should have had some reaction. Yeah. Because while to most humans, I feel like a lot of dolphins are kind of indistinguishable. Yeah. I couldn't tell one from the other. To dolphins. They can tell. They should be able to tell. So, and they don't say that at all. Okay, uh, so that's it does, Cassie's component. It makes me think that the dolphins are stupider than the cat, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, here's where it gets interesting. Because, and I wrote a post-it that says, interesting. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, because it turns out that Cassie is partially correct in that the Andalites who invented morphing technology... Mm-hmm ask for permission from sentient creatures. Yeah. So, like, when Axe takes... Like, they have to get Axe from the river to a home. And so he has to... Like, he can't walk over there like an Andalite. So he has to morph into something. I mean, in this time, maybe he could. But yes, go on. So he has to morph into something. And so he asks them. He says, with your permission. And then takes DNA from every human there. And then morphs into a conglomerate of all four of them. Which is really fucking wild. Which is... Which... Pin that for a second. Put a pin in that one. But he does ask their permission. But she... Okay. Yes, he does. But to me, a dolphin is different. Because if she said to a dolphin, Hey, I need to take your form and do this whole thing. A dolphin, as far as we know, wouldn't be able to understand that concept. You know, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy would argue differently. Okay, but I'm saying that given what we know about dolphins in this world presently. Yes, okay. Um, 
And no animal that they've interacted with yet could. Mm-hmm. I think, yes, they're going to morph into a human, which I'm very curious if the animals could do and if they will do. I really want to see that happen. Yeah. Um, for example, Chapman. I think make, anyway, it's my... Yeah, my they could morph into Tom and then go yeah. info. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I... So I understand why humans would be difficult. But I don't understand... Because if the whole thing is we need people to ask, dolphins wouldn't understand her asking as a human. Mm-hmm. They would only understand her asking as a dolphin, maybe, and probably not then, too, because it's such a weird concept that other humans probably barely can understand it. True. So, to me, like, I get why she's concerned, but I don't understand what dolphins are the line. The gorilla should have been the line. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's talk about Axe morphing into four people at once. Oh, okay. my God. So, he morphs into a conglomeration of all of them, and that has now set a precedent that you can do that, which very importantly means they can morph into hybrid animals. Dwin, if they have what the control. animal should they morph into? I mean, I think I already said my thing I would morph into was a unicorn. So obviously, that should but, be a book. Okay, narwhal, horse, unicorn, done. Okay, but to get into the ethics of it, we're in ethics class. Does that mean that the animorphs can do this? And could they blend? Could they morph into each other? Like I, they just, should. I am very curious about the animorphs' ability to morph into other humans, and Picture, then also, is that weird? Picture this. It's Cassie's birthday. Uh-huh. They throw her a surprise party. Uh-huh. They all morph into Cassie. That's really freaking wild. Right? <laughs> but also why? Think of the fun you could have. Okay. Ignore the ethics for a second, even though this is ethics class. Could be really fucking dope. Would it be ethical? Okay, go with me here. So they, you know, Rachel feels really bad about Melissa, Chapman's daughter. Mm-hmm. Parents suck. Uh, would it be ethical for Rachel to somehow get Chapman's whatever um and then go to melissa and like comfort her because that's gonna be a big thing for her i don't know i just i think that we should think a lot about the ethics of these things because how first of all my thought would be is if i could morph i would think about like what, what humans can i morph into yeah you get into a ton of places shape shifting like obviously but, yeah why are they not using this to get into bars they're teenagers yeah okay yes that's a great question it's I just, unrealistic yes is what i'm saying Yes. So I think we should continue to look uh, look out for, like, ethical issues related to different kinds of morphs. I also just don't think that intelligent animals, like, I think that the animal intelligence in this book is maybe not correct. Okay. I just, the whole thing with the whale and all the whale communication, because I think that that's the case that she's making, so they're too smart to morph into. Yeah. But then where's the line? Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, gorillas. Yeah. And also, you don't really know. And what is the, like... And wh- how do you define intelligence? And, like, pigs are really smart. We mm-hmm. uh, pigs, I think, don't quote me on this, but I feel like I've read on the internet, like, what, as smart as a three-year-old child. Like, they yeah. have a lot of I ability. think I've read that, too. Is that too smart? I don't know. And, and if, if we say, no, pigs are okay. Pigs you can morph into, they're not that smart. Does that mean that it's ethical to morph into a three-year-old child? I don't know why you would, but, like, theoretically. Yeah, I don't know. Would you? And also, again, if you're just getting their DNA... Could you morph? Into Would you morph into the older version of a three-year-old? I think that's a great. I think that's a great question. And God, that's yeah. I guess age is kind of defined by by your DNA. But if you can no, blend, but what? But we also had this other question of like, what kind of DNA is it? Yeah, and oh if you can God. blend your DNA around with other things, it seems that you can mess with DNA in some way. Anyway, someone please at K A Applegate and encourage her slash her husband to come on the show and talk to us about how they wrote this book. I'm very curious about how they thought about the DNA stuff. I gotta know. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Um, Great. That's ethics class. Great. We all, we passed. Great. We're ethical. Um, art class. Yes. We're going to draw. I'm going to try mar- and draw. Mardmut. What is the word again? That's not spelled correctly in there. Let me find it. Are you going to draw? I'll, I'll draw. You draw. And then we'll post it on Instagram. It's not going to be a good drawing, but I will try. Okay. Okay, here's something you should know, just in case it comes up in your drawing. The sound they make is whomp, whomp, whomp. Yes. It's in all caps. Okay. okay. Um, they're dolphins. I fired off a rapid series of echolocating clicks. The picture that came back was startling. It's something in the water. Big, huge, the size of a whale, but not moving like a whale. I rose to breathe again and looked back. At just that moment, I saw, far behind me, a huge, dark red almost purple hump above the water. It seemed to be covered with hundreds of small fishtails, all beating frantically. Um, it is a very... and then the, Sorry, the hump's above the water? What? The hump is, the red the hump hump is above the water, yeah. Um, let's see, I'm going to skip a little bit. It is a very large creature that swims by shooting water out of three large chambers. It makes a sound, whump, whump, whump. Um, I think that's it. That's not enough to draw. Girl. It has a hump and three chambers. It's covered with hundreds of small fishtails, all beating frantically. Oh, God. It lives on a moon, in case that changes sort of the shape of what you're drawing. Okay, well, I'm not going to draw hundreds, but I'm going to draw a few. Okay, I'm just going to wait patiently. This is an audio medium, so we'll just take a quick pause while Dwayne draws and then come back. <laughs> We could do a little ad break. <laughs> yes. But I guess we don't make any money, so there's no ads. Okay. Well, this is not very nice. This is it. I'm going to say. Look, if it's not as good as the penis ship from book one. Okay. So I didn't draw 100. I just, I'm going to just do this. This is for scale I draw. All right. Soon. All right. Let me just see. What, whoa. <laughs> so it oh, looks like. On. I'll just describe it to the world um oh she's making some edits she was reacting to my well oh it's making the womp sound good okay so it looks like like a halibut like one of those big flat fish but also like a blowfish and it's got little tubules coming out all over it and then three big circles with lines to indicate speed of movement and then i think for scale there is a tiny stick figure next to it and it appears to be like a hundred times the size of the stick figure. Uh, really good. Very nice drawing. I love it. It doesn't have any eyes because you didn't say anything about eyes. Sure. So I assume per- there are no eyes. It could also be an echolocation creature for all we know. I'm just going to... That's its echolocating. Oh, okay. It looks like a Wi-Fi um, symbol. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> we will post this on our Instagram uh, and you should also share your drawing, which I hope you just did. Um, and I hope it's as good as mine. I hope so, too. I will try and add some more fishtails. Those are not tubules. They're fishtails. Add us. Add us. And send us your drawing. Tag us. Yeah. Um, I think that's art class. Well, we should read the back of the book. Oh, okay. I'll read the back of this book. Next week, we're going to be reading book five, The Predator, the much-awaited Marco book. Uh, the front tagline is, what you see isn't always what you get, dot, dot, mm. dot. Marco is smiling and winking in the cover. Cheeky. Okay. 
Marco never wanted to be an animorph. He never wanted the ability to change into any animal he touches. He just wants to chill. Okay. <laughs> Weird. Whatever happens, happens. Sounds like Marco's going to get high. Um, Jake, Rachel, Cassie, and Tobias know why Marco feels the way he does. He's worried about his dad, the only family Marco has left. And if anything happens to him, his father will be all alone. But something is about to change Marco's mind. It seems the Yerks have a little surprise waiting for him, and it's definitely not nice. Now Marco has a reason to fight. Wow. Yikes! This one sounds like it's going to be really intense. I'm excited to read about Marco. It's Marco turning into a gorilla on the front. We're talking gorillas. Fucking little gorillas. Oh, it's a gorilla in an alley. Mmm. Natural Ooh. habitat. Okay. Um. Great. Well, then we'll be back next week with a new and exciting episode of our podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Book Report Pod. Mm-hmm. You can email us uh, with all of your comments um, uh, and questions at we love the animorphs. We love animorphs. I think it's we love animorphs. We love animorphs at gmail.com. Uh, if you're going to send us spoilers, don't. But if you are, <laughs> but if you are, uh, put it in the headline because we don't want to get spoiled. That's the whole thing. Yeah. We'll have someone else read it. Yeah. 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 Okay. And make sure you add us with all of your great drawings, please. Absolutely do that. Yeah. That's important for art class. And tell a friend about this and review us on iTunes, I guess. Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen to your podcast, review us there. Give us five stars. Yeah. Maybe we'll read some reviews. Maybe. Yeah. If they're good. a good one. If you want to be on our show, let us know. Yeah. And I think that's it. If you know Kay Applegate, tell her, tell oh her about God, us. Oh my God, tell her about us. Okay. That's goodbye. it. Love you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>